Good morning. My name is John Cavell, and I have the privilege of serving here as one of the pastors. Uh, as Caleb said, we're jumping into this series. We've already jumped in, really, starting last week. Um, and today we're going to be talking about a value called compassionate service. And so I'm gonna, what I'm going to do now today is something we don't usually do. Normally, we go through the whole sermon, and then we kind of hit the conclusion right at the end. And so, you, you know, we really hope that you pay attention and stay alert and stay awake. But I'm gonna, what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the whole point of the sermon right now. Okay? So we're going to learn a phrase together that we're going to say together. That God works in us to work through us. God works in us, with me, to work through us. We'll rehearse. God works in us. Okay, good. A little stronger on this side than that side, so, but I'm, we're going to work on it. Okay? God works in us. Good. We're going to get better at that, right? Uh, yeah, we're going to have to. <laughs> yeah. Or I will have absolutely no self-esteem by the time we're done. Um, so once in a while, people stumble into what I would call accidental success. Once in a while. In 1942... Uh, Eastman Kodak was trying to develop these uh, clear plastic gun sights for the war effort. And they were having trouble with it, but what they ended up coming up with was this substance that would bond almost anything to anything else. But that wasn't what they were working on, so they kind of just put that on the shelf. Later on, this substance became something that we probably all have used a bunch of times. Super glue. Okay? Accidental Success. Um, later on, in about 1968, a scientist called Dr. Spencer Silver was trying to develop another kind of adhesive, but not getting to what he really wanted to get to. What he ended up was this kind of substance that was pressure sensitive, kind of tacky, but you could pull it apart really easily. That became post-it notes. Yeah, both superglue and post-it notes were what I would call accidental success. But what's interesting is successful relationships don't happen by accident. Successful careers rarely happen by accident. And serving God by serving others doesn't happen by accident either. You don't typically get accidental success in some of the most important areas of our lives. So this morning, we're talking about compassionate service. I'm going to give you a hint every now and then. So when I say this first phrase, you're allowed to look at the screen. I mean, come on. We couldn't make it any easier, right? Because God works in us. Yeah, kind of few of you got caught off guard there. Should I give you more warning? Like, I'm going to raise my hand every time I say it, right? So you'll know that it's coming. God works in us. So what's the main point this morning? Right on. Okay, we're going to be spending most of our time in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, looking at three verses. Three verses. Verses 8, verses 9, and verses 10. It says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. That word this is referring back to being saved by grace through faith. It's not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works that no one can boast. Because or for we are his creation or workmanship or masterpiece, depending on what translation you're reading, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. See, basically what we see here is that it starts with God. It all starts with God. So what you have here, this is God, this is a uh, the Greek letter theta, which was an abbreviation for God. So what we just read in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for you've been saved by grace through faith, so God working in this person. God's working in that person. And the word grace, sometimes people hear it, it's a good-sounding word, but we don't always know what it means. The word grace basically means an undeserved gift. So let's just say hypothetically, because none of you would ever do this. Let's say you're driving too fast, and you see those red and blue lights in your rearview mirror, you get pulled over, and you get off with a warning. Well, that's mercy, because you were guilty, <laughs> and you didn't get, have to do the punishment. Grace would be if you not only got off with a warning, but the officer gave you a $100 bill. That would be grace. And so God says, hey, you are, by grace, we have been saved. An undeserved gift. God wants every single person to choose to spend eternity with him. That's the work that God is doing and wanting to do in the lives of people. And so whether you have already said yes to that grace and invited that into your life, or you're just thinking about it, or you're kind of hearing about it and still trying to figure out, God's desire is the same for every single person. That you would experience his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, and his grace in your life, and that you'd be in him in heaven forever. That's what God is doing in the lives of people. And so God works in us. Wow, oh, you guys are getting this. This is going to be great. By the time the end of the service goes, man, it's going to be humming like crazy. And so God is working in us. He's working in the lives of people. And one of those things he wants us to do is that that which he's working in us, he wants to work through us. That's right. Yeah, man, you're getting it even when it's coming at you sideways. I like that. Because God works in us. That's right, works through us. So in verse 10, it said, for you are God's workmanship or you are God's creation that you would be able, that we would be able to walk in these works or these things that God has prepared for us. Now, it's very, very important to understand that that grace that God gives us is not because we earn it or deserve it, because otherwise it wouldn't be grace, right? If you have to, if you have to earn something, it's not a gift. So once we have received and are experiencing that gift, God wants to start working through us. And so this work comes into us and then it goes through us in verse 10 into the life of somebody else. Okay, so God is working in this person's life, right? And then this person is experiencing that and then allowing that work to go in her and then through into somebody else. I'll give you an example of that. Um, my wife Joy uh, got to know a gal who lives across the street from us named Rachel. And Rachel was really just getting close to that very pivotal point, you know, and she made a decision. She committed her life to Christ. It was great. And then ever since then, Joy, because of their friendship now, kind of has sort of this mentoring relationship with them where they go hiking, walking, you know, they get together a couple times a month. And so what God has worked in Joy's life, she's now working through Joy's life 
into Rachel's life. And there are a million ways that that happens. But, that, but God works in us. Perfect. Man, you guys got this dialed in. Okay? Now, another thing that's very important is that God works in us to work through us, but also God working in us and then working through us is one of the ways we become more like Christ. It's one of the ways we become more like Christ because having God work in us and then also God working through us into the lives of other people requires that we do something that Jesus did. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes this, starting in verse 5. He says, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. So God, the creator, sustainer of the universe took on human form in Jesus Christ. God in human form. God in Abad. And he didn't have to do that. God doesn't answer anybody. Nobody said, uh, excuse me, you're going to have to take on human form to save these people. Oh, do I have to? Yes, you have to. No, that didn't happen. He didn't have to do that. And he had a right not to do it. He wouldn't have been sinning if he didn't do it. He wouldn't have been breaking any rules. He wouldn't have been unethical to continue existing in the, form, in the form of God in the spiritual realm, worshiped by angels. But he gave up his right to stay there, to only experience that, to meet a need that we could not meet ourselves. He emptied himself. He emptied himself. He gave up that right took on human form, was mistreated, misunderstood, misrepresented, falsely accused, unjustly tried and convicted, tortured, humiliated, and in human form, in that state, hung on the cross. And every sin, ever committed by every person who's ever lived was laid on him. The guilt and shame of every perpetrator, the pain and the trauma of every victim of every sin ever committed, including mine, including yours, and everybody we know. He didn't have to do that. But he gave up his right to forego that to meet a need that we could not meet for ourselves. And so what happens is this person here maybe has the right to not give up convenience, to not give up time, to not have to give up the effort. But as God is making us more like Christ in our lives, we see that example. 
because he invites us into something that he could do pretty well without us, but includes us. I remember when my son was real small, I was out in the backyard mowing the lawn. And he came out and he says, I want to help. And it was hot. And I was like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) You know, I'm trying to be the good dad. And I said, all right, all right, come on. So he stands in front of me and kind of grabs this part of the lawnmower, right? And he can't, he's not big enough to push it on his own, right? So I'm pushing it, he latches on. Right? Now, as he got older, it was actually a good idea because he, he had fun doing it. And as he got older, it was like, hey, how about you go mow the lawn? <laughs> wasn't nearly as enthusiastic <laughs> later on. And then I remember one time he was older and he was trying to mow the lawn and doing a lousy job at it. But he was doing it. And he was like, okay, so I did it. What do you think, Dad? And I'm like, you sure mowed that lawn. I didn't say, you sure mowed that lawn badly. I just said, yeah, you mowed the lawn. So we went in, told his mom, I mowed the lawn. And I'm standing behind and looking at her going, I'll take care of it later. <laughs> so then when he, wasn't, when he was gone later at a friend's house, I went back and finished it up. But see, the thing is, it would have been easier to do that without him. It would have looked better sooner if I'd just done it myself. And probably every effort that we get involved in, God might be thinking, ah, I could do this so much better myself. I mean, he probably doesn't think like that because he's God, we're human. And, but he includes us anyway. He includes us messed up, imperfect, self-centered humans <laughs> so that we can say, I got to participate. I got to help do that. You might have the right not to, because, you know, we're busy. we got stuff going on. Or maybe you got so much stuff going on, be like, oh, I just want to sleep in. I just want to rest. I don't need another commitment. And you're probably right. But giving up our rights for the benefit of others, God working in us to work through us. Yeah, I should, I know, I should have raised my hand. God works in us. You got it, you got it. When we give up our rights to take a look at what God's doing, worldwide, locally in the community, as Caleb was describing earlier, even here at church, when we give up our rights to what, to those things to which we feel entitled, that we deserve, It makes us more like Jesus. It makes us more like Christ. And actually, in our imperfections, in our mess-ups, in our messiness, God is glorified. In Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 14, Jesus says these words, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. You see, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, or men, mankind, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, these good works, this isn't what makes us a child of God or a follower of Christ. 
okay? Got to make sure we always understand that. This is not the entrance into a relationship with God. It's not the price tag to go to heaven, okay? It's as God is working in us, he wants to work Yeah. But he says, you are the light of the world. Now, when he used the word light, there were basically two forms of light with which people were familiar. There was the sunlight, okay? There was the lights in the heavens, all right? And then there was a light that you could create in your house if you wanted to illuminate a dark place. And that kind of light looked like this. Okay? This would be a small oil lamp. That flame on that oil lamp is about as big as you would maybe have on a lighter. It really would only light a small area, kind of like this thing here. Okay, This is only going to light a very small area, just immediately around me. And so when God calls us to be a light in our world, okay, what he's not calling us to do I mean, what he's calling us to do is to be this light, just to be able to light that which is around us. But some people say, yeah, but if a little light is good, then a lot of light is even better. And so they become like this, really annoying, (laughs) right? Is this annoying yet? Because I can keep doing this. I can keep going, all right? But that's not what he's calling us to be. You know, when my wife began this relationship with Rachel, she could have just acted like a normal person, you know, and gone over and made conversation, become friends, spend time together, talk about what it's like having a relationship with God, or she could have done this, you know. Hey, Rachel. Wait, I just turned it down. Hey, Rachel, I'm jo- Come on. There we go, okay. I think somebody was messing with this backstage, Caleb. <laughs> now, do you think it would have been better for her to go, hey? Okay. As Caleb says, TV timeout. If you were ever doing any kind of public speaking or preaching or anything like that, rule of thumb, always practice with your props and double-check them before the service starts. <laughs> now, should I try to make my point, or did I already do that? <laughs> you kind of got it. So basically, hey, if a normal conversation is good, isn't this better? Isn't this better like that? So maybe I could do this, talk to you like this, and talk about how much God loves you, and shine the light in your eyes. No, we're not going to do that. Because that's not what God's talking about. He's just talking about allowing what he's doing in your life to be visible. Since I've lived in Arizona, because I'm, I'm a guitar player, and I've played in like a number of cover bands and things like that, and, and you know, it's interesting. I remember sitting, talking with a bass player in between sets in a sports bar about one in the morning, and he was not, he was telling me about all the bad experiences that he had had with people of faith. And I'm just trying to listen and go, yeah, I I hear that. And then he went on and he told me about how hard it was to believe in God in the war because he had a service background. And so as the night wore on and other conversations would take place at other times, began to just share, like talk about going through hard times. And I'd say things like, well, you know, if I weren't for my faith, I don't know if I could have gotten through that. And he's like, I'd be interested in hearing about that. This is the same person that was saying, I'm not interested in going to church. I'm not interested in anybody preaching at me. 
but just through a relationship. Maybe a little bit of time every month. Maybe just taking one step away from what is always comfortable for you. Things to which you have a right to. You have a right to the comfort. You have the right to own your own time. But giving up that right to be a light for someone else. Because when we do that, as God is working through us into the lives of other people, that then glorifies God. Let's go to that next picture. See, it starts here, it starts with God, comes down, working in one person's life. They're giving up their rights, allowing that which God is doing in them to be done through them into someone else's life, and then that comes back to God. And it just becomes this constant rhythm. That's what we're talking about. That's what compassionate service is. Maybe it's connecting with and participating in something that is going on somewhere else on the globe. Maybe it's out in our community, as Caleb was describing. It might be here within the church. And in a minute, Amy Seitz, who is our next-gen minister, is going to be coming up with some others to give you some examples of the kinds of ways people are compassionately serving even right at this moment. Sometimes people see them, some, and there's people who are doing stuff that nobody even knows about, completely out of sight, under the radar, but allowing that which God does in them, allowing God to do that through them, into the life of someone else, glorifying God, and then it just keeps going. It's just this rhythm that just keeps going all the time. And that's what's so cool about it. It's an ongoing thing. Maybe today's a day where you're already going for it. God bless you. I want to affirm you and confirm that, man, if you're already living this, embrace this. Be encouraged because nothing that you're doing ever escapes God's notice. Never, ever. If maybe you're thinking, you know, maybe I ought to allow more of what God's doing in my life to be done through me into someone else's life then maybe just a nudge is what you need. Maybe just kind of take one foot. It's like getting into a pool. Maybe you're just standing on the edge and just put one foot down on that first step. See how it feels. And give God the chance to surprise you. Give God the chance to surprise you with what it's like to see that which God's doing in your life to be done through you and in the life of someone else. Because God works in us. Good point. Let's pray together, okay?